0: Laurie, I'll be with you in, in one moment. Well, buddy, this is it. I wish you a good honeymoon and a great life. Your dinner's in the oven. Turn it off in 20 minutes. Thanks. <laughs> Oscar, what can I say? Five years ago, you took me in. Broken man on the verge of mental collapse. I leave here a cured human being. I owe it all to you. All yours, buddy. I salute you, Felix. You know I'm going to salute you. I'm going to clean that up.
1: It has not been in vain.
0: I'm not going to clean it up.
1: I knew we wouldn't clean it up. Fly podcast hosted by me, Dave Juskow, Rocktober 2020, how can you call it Rocktober, you're not going to play one of the greatest classic rock albums of all time, yes, who's Tommy, one of my favorite albums, movies ever, hello everybody and welcome to the show, I hope everybody is having a great transition period. Yes, I'm calling it a transition period because the weather has changed. What does that mean for everyone during this trying time? Who knows? I mean, I guess in California, nobody cares. But here in New York, it's weird. People are still eating outside. It's cold. It's weird. It's uh, Nobody knows what's happening. The president now has COVID. Which is hilarious, but, you know, you don't know whether to believe him or not. It's only hilarious because, I mean, the guy's not wearing a mask. How did he expect this was going to end? Last Saturday when they were nominating the uh, Supreme Court justice woman. It was kind of sexy. <clears throat> Except for views. But um, nobody's wearing a mask. I mean, there's, what are there, like a hundred people out there? Nobody's wearing a mask. Nobody's social distancing. How do you think this was going to end? But, you know. I don't know what that means for the election, but it is quite an interesting development. Uh, taping on Saturday, coming out on Tuesday, October 6th, 2020. Welcome to the show, everybody. Let's uh, calm this down and uh, see where the, uh, the afternoon takes us. Um, you know, semi-prepared, not as uh, maybe uh, as prepared as I'd like to be. Uh, listen. Well, first of all, the reason I played the... Uh, so well, I guess there is a lot to talk about, and I'll, I'll just start with this. Uh, the reason I played the the Who up front and Tommy is because uh, I've been watching this great documentary on the making of Tommy. I don't know what it was on. I guess it was on that Access TV that has the classic album stuff, but it's not the classic album show. It's just a two-hour documentary on the making of Tommy. So how could I not remember... How much this album meant to me. I know I've talked about it on the podcast before. How much, um, you know, I got into it. It's one of those things my friend Lawrence Lerman, he might be Jewish, uh, who's been on the podcast before, um, you know, was telling me all about it as a junior in high school. The plan was to go see it at the uh, Menlo Park Movie Theater at midnight. You know, when they used to have midnight show. You know, when you could go to a movie theater and see a movie. You remember those days. Now, back then, you could actually go to a movie theater. You could sit with people you didn't even know. Uh, They could be sitting right next to you, and you'd you'd watch the picture with them uh, all together at the same time. Now, uh, was it safe? uh, Germ-wise, probably not, but we didn't know any better back then. So we all decided to get together and watch a film uh, that was put together by the studio. I mean, I know that sounds kind of weird, but it's like, can you see telling this story as an old man in 20 years? Now, back then, now this was in, let's say 2019, you could go to the movie theater. Oh, this is so weird. But in 1980, uh, my friends, here's what we're doing this weekend. We're going to go with a bunch of people from high school. They were upperclassmen. And we're going to go see this movie that came out in 1975 called Tommy by The Who. I knew nothing about it. My friend explained the premise to me, and I'm like, this sounds too trippy to me. This is how scared I was of everything back in the day. Like I told you, I this is so fucking embarrassing, but it does explain a lot about who I am, why I'm not married. Seriously. Remember, I was afraid to go see... I I was afraid to see Caddyshack. My parents had me so scared of everything... I knew nothing about nothing. They had me so nervous about everything. I was afraid to see Caddyshack because it was rated R. I'm like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Should I cover my eyes? I'm serious. It's 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 a it's so fucked up. I feel like I was brought up that my father was some sort of Catholic priest. Well, he couldn't be a priest, but a reverend, like in Footloose, and he, and they had me so locked up and in this bubble, I was afraid of everything. I was terrified to go see Caddyshack. I'm not kidding you. Oh, I mean, what a fucking joke. I'm, I don't, you know, again, I don't want to curse on the podcast, but it's such a humiliation. I, I don't even want to tell you it's so embarrassing. Um, you know they had us so afraid of a rated r movie that it was going to be so terrifying it was going to leave me nightmares and i i've told you before and i know i've told you this when rodney Dangerfield got hit no when ted knight got hit in the balls when he said oh i should have yelled too you know here for." i'm like oh my god that's why it's rated r oh my god i mean now you look at him like wait why was this movie rated r i'm getting the boobies aren't even a good reason to rate it r uh with lacy underalls, boobies aren't even a good reason to rate it R. So who knows? But I was terrified. So he's telling me the premise of Tommy, and I'm like, boy, that sounds that, that sounds a little out there, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it does sound a little crazy, <laughs> you know, man. Hey, man. Um the yeah, so many days. Um <laughs> keep your eye on the spiral. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm, re- I, I'm recording that next week. Uh, the theme from Beretta as Sammy Davis. And I'll just say in advance, you're welcome. Anyways, tell me the premise of Tommy, which of course is about a deaf, dumb, and blind kid. Then he tells me the whole premise. He's like, yeah, so his parents kind of accidentally kill his actual father and they tell him, you didn't see anything. You didn't hear it, you know, and he becomes deaf, dumb, and blind. And then he becomes this pinball champ and they try and cure him with sex and drugs and, leaving him with, um, you know, uh, uncles and cousins that molest him. I'm like, um, uh, uh, hey, man, this is a little out of my wheelhouse. So I was nervous, but I'm like, oh, come on, let's not be a pussy this time. We'll go to see this scary midnight movie. What is the matter with me? What? How was I brought up like this? But I was. And uh, terrified of everything. So he gave me the album, the movie album, and I, I know I've told you this. And I played it in my room looking at the cover of the album. Obviously this is before music video, before anything. And I played it on my my turn, my turntable that I got from my bar mitzvah. And I played it and I just stared at the album cover, the beautiful movie album cover that I expanded it to, and I just looked at it, played the whole album. I think it was the first time I ever did that. Besides maybe the Barry Manilow live album, (laughs) but this was an adult album, rock and roll. And I just was mesmerized from it. You know, like it wasn't scary. It was great. And the music was working and I sat in my room. I can remember where I was. I was sitting up. I was on the carpet. This is something I just, I wasn't one of those people that sat on the floor or anything. But this time I sat on the floor with my back propped up to, you know, one of my dresser drawers That had the stereo on top of it and just listened to the Tommy album, the movie soundtrack, for however long it was, 45 minutes to an hour, staring at the cover. Completely mesmerized. I wasn't that kind of guy that would just listen to an album. Okay, again, maybe Annie, but I was much younger. (laughs) But I wouldn't be mesmerized. You know, this was uh, an experience I had, you know. And uh, then I saw the movie, and I was blown away, and then I was hooked. You know, I didn't care for the who. I didn't care for anything. But then after that, um, I was completely hooked and interested in everything and and how it came to be. You know, why didn't I hear about this movie in advance? You know, then you look it up, and uh, Aunt Margaret's nominated for an Oscar for it. I mean, who knew? All that kind of stuff. And, what you know, I have tried to show it to my nieces, I think, once they were interested, kind of. You know, I mean, it's trippy, but, you know, then I've seen every incarnation of it. You know, I mean, I definitely saw them do it live. I saw the first performance of the Isle of Man in the 60s, and now I'm watching this documentary. I've always been fascinated by Tommy, so much so that, as you may know, and I don't know whether I've ever done this before. I might be repeating myself on this podcast all day today, but who cares? We're coming up to our sixth year. I'm pretty sure I started the first week in October six years ago. We're coming up on almost our 300th podcast. You only, there's no way not to repeat yourself on occasion, (laughs) you know? Um, Certainly I don't go back and listen to the old ones. They're there, but I don't listen to, you know, I just listen. I don't, I mean, who does, right? But um I made my own rock opera completely based on Tommy and my obsession with Tommy uh, about Willy Wonka. And it was called a wonk opera. And I did it in 2003. And then, as you know, I died and came back to life after. And I was like, I guess I'll stop that. But there was a chance for this, you know, little rock opera I was doing. And let me tell you something, you know, you know, fuck stand up comedy You know, I was putting something out there that was really different. And I'd like to think my friends were very, you know, into like, well, here's a guy doing something different. You know, this is why, you know, I can't live with stand-up comedy. I'm getting better at it, but it is not the thing. I mean, I was putting together a rock opera. I put together a rock opera. I dare any of my friends to do something like that. Based on Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, it was called a Wonk Opera we performed it live four times, and I don't even think there's any goddamn footage of it. And I wrote all the music. I mean, yes, did I take the songs from the movie? Yeah, the couple of songs, and I, you know, changed them around and rocked them out. But I sent a demo tape of me singing the way Michael Jackson did to Quincy Jones, where you're like, somebody, you know, like that to my friend Mark Humble who was in a band, I believe called bubble. And, uh, I went to school with his wife and he's a a great guy. And he was crazy enough to say, well, let's do something with this. And we put a band together and we called ourselves the crusaders of science. Uh, no, whatever. And we put a band together and we performed this thing. And he, you know, turned my music and wrote down the, the, uh, you know, the, 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 what do you call it? You know, when you have this, the, the sheet music and took my, you know, ramblings and my music, I mean, I had the, the melody and, and here's where the bass goes and here's where this goes. I, I don't, I can't tell you why I'm kind of able to do that and I could write certain notes down and I gave it to him on a tape recorder and he came up with, you know, the, the, this was exactly what I gave him, but he was able to play music to it. Here's the demo of the opening song called Chocolate Town. This is Mark singing.
0: Somebody's life gets bright tonight. The sun and moon and all the stars are all in tune. So poor you can't afford a star. To make a wish or one last time a candy bar. It's who you know that breaks you up and makes you go. One day inside and all your dreams will come alive now. Come on.
1: What do you think? I mean, I don't know whether I've ever played any of this stuff before. That was the demo tape. Um I I think I have a couple of the performances on cassette tape. Not the performances, but like the you know, the one we practiced. But yeah, I mean I, I I think it, it it was pretty good and, and they all had good melodies and, and I would open the show and I'd do it just like the Who did at the beginning. And, say, as, and I know I've told you this before, but as Keith Moon once said, have a little respect, it's a fucking opera. And then we'd open up with um with Chocolate Town, I believe, and then there was no talking. All the stuff was the interim stuff, you know, just like – um. Fiddle about or you know, do you think we should leave the boy with cousin Kevin something? Yes, I think it's all right, just little things like that. Um And it was it was great. It was really fun. I think I wrote some really good songs, you know. I know this is just like the a chance
0: for you to win. You just don't know. I think even my lyrics were good. I don't think I could ever do really this mean. again.
1: I don't think I could ever come up with a melody or the, end, lyric.
0: the girl in bluish green remember when Rome was your best friend And now you know You'd rather have a nice poor nose so, Oh, come on now, let's get busy Take a look around, it's a celestial city Slow down and taste the sugar tree Come on now, let's get clever Things you might have said in a big love letter You might become my honey bee.
1: The, it has snowberry in it. I dare sh- you to rhyme any of those words.
0: Oh, well, let's get as you walk around this chocolate
1: town. Oh yeah, the big ending.
0: Chocolate, chocolate town
1: with me. I think I did a pretty good job on that. I have other ones. I mean here's the one well, here's one with me singing. I guess it Maybe it's from the rehearsal mix. It's uh it's the the golden ticket. I you know, I made it, I uh you know, I changed it around, I rocked it out. One, two, three. I never thought my life could be anything but it has to be. And suddenly I begin to see a bit we we'll Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's funny when I hear these songs that aren't bad and during COVID, it sure would be a fun show to put together. I certainly now I'm thinking I wish Adam Schlesinger was alive. Can you imagine what he could do with this and, and we could just have all these different people, you know, singing the songs and coming together? I, I think that would be a fun little COVID YouTube like show. Yeah, I bet you he would have gone for it too because this guy just was able to do so many he was able to multitask which is very rare in a man and he was such a terrific guy and oh boy can you imagine wouldn't that be fun and what he could have done with these songs not that I mean look what we did and we don't know we we know nothing and you know when I hear that I'm like you know this was a pretty good job for a couple of kids you know a couple of kids from Brooklyn just hanging around right? I around mean, Them let me tell you what I do, right? Okay, I work in a paint shop, right? Just got a raise. <laughs> I know, this is what I do every week, so that I know I'm repeating. But I can't help myself. And let me guess: Saturday nights, you just spend all your money at the discotheque. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What's so great about you? I know I did this last week. I can't help myself. It's like Tourette's. Anywho, that is the uh, the the get as one might say, if they time me, I have some more songs. I, I Maybe I'll play for you next week. I can't believe I let them play out. I was only going to play little pieces, but I was just kind of enjoying myself. I think I could bring it back. It's kind of fun. Everybody still loves Willy Wonka. It's like when I was watching the thing, they're like, well, you know, what? we were going to make them a musician, but are like, no, we'll make them a pinball wizard. And boy, did they get lucky that pinball's still popular. I mean, what if it was just, I mean, I know it was like a fad in the 70s, but well, they did in the 60s, so they got lucky that it just, had staying power, and we still know what a pinball machine is, because otherwise, it's dated. I mean, even though it's still dated, but you know, what's retro is back. You know, like my game room behind me. <laughs> my game room. No, I love you? Oh, I'm not going to get evicted yet. They extended it until January, so everything's going to be okay. The podcast will continue. Well, the podcast would would continue regardless. Even if I was living in my car, I'd still believe I'd be able to bring you the podcast. I just recorded on my phone. Well, it's not the highest quality sound, but I'm sure the adventures of Dave Just living in his car once again from 30 years ago would be uh, quite fascinating. Don't you think? Um, Okay, so let us uh, move on to other things. Number one the Tuesday night show on YouTube. If you're not watching, if you like this podcast, I know I sound like one of those sports guys. Listen, if you invest with us right now, we will make you. We have a four-point play this weekend that's coming up, and it involves the game between the New York Giants and the L.A. Rams. The line is off by two touchdowns. If you invest with us this week, We will double your money. That is a guarantee. I I mean, I'm doing this verbatim the way these guys talk. And if you're a gambling degenerate like myself, you're like, I don't know. These guys certainly sound what they know what they're talking about. They don't. They do not know. I have proven this on my Sunday morning show at 10 a.m., which I don't recommend watching. But I highly recommend. I know it's football. I know it's sports. But really, that's 15 minutes. Of the lovely hour we all spend together with the greatest comics in the country. Yes, I can say that. These are the greatest stand up comics in the country right now that I am lucky to get on this YouTube show I do on Tuesdays, which is now moving to eight o'clock. I may even still move it to seven o'clock every day, but right now, this week, next week, eight o'clock Tuesday nights, the Comedy Cellar Nightly channel on YouTube. We are doing some really fun stuff. Uh, Again, I am showing you pictures of my week. So everything I tell you, there is all photographic evidence which you're going to want to see. This is an extension of the Nightfly for sure. So last week, my guests were Greg Fitzsimmons and Beth Stelling, who just has a brand new HBO Max special. And I went there and I said, Beth, and you can all watch this now, I said, Why are you wearing overalls on your special? Everyone dreams of having an HBO special, now a Netflix special, but whatever. She has an HBO Max one, which is still big. Don't you, as a man, I dream of what I'm going to wear on my television special. Why? Because I grew up watching Eddie Murphy. So when you're watching Delirious, let alone Raw and what he wore on that, how can I not be thinking as a man, I wonder what I'll wear. I mean, I'd never think of that. I am a straight man. Again, I'm doing the quotation marks. Don't worry. <laughs> Who doesn't know anything about fashion or anything. But what I do know is I have an idea of what I would like to wear. I'd get very serious about what my dress was. Even if it was stupid and it looked stupid to you, I would have put a lot of thought into it. I mean, I would definitely be wearing a jacket of some sort, you know, like a blazer. You know, I, you want to look nice for your television special or you want to make a statement. So even if I was wearing something ridiculous, like the time I told you I was on the Caroline's Comedy Hour, I wore the double hoop earring, thinking this is going to be huge. I mean, this is what I'm thinking of when I'm doing some sort of television work. I'm thinking of what I'm going to wear and look like because this is the way I've been brought up. But I don't understand how every guy doesn't think of that after watching Eddie Murphy or Richard Pryor wearing that bright orange suit and sunset strip. I, I don't understand guys who grew up with this kind of stuff and they're not thinking that way and they dress like slobs. So I said to Beth Stelling, I'm like, what's the matter with you? Why are you wearing overalls? And I, I'm not trying to be rude you know, or anything or sexist but I just don't understand it. My mother would have a field day with you if she met you and she would really have it and really let you have it that you went on television like that. And she goes, I don't know what to tell you. I just feel comfortable. I mean, unfortunately she comes like a lot of people come from the David tell fucking school of comedy. They're like, well, I guess it doesn't matter how I dress on stage. Meanwhile, my mother's furious. And quite frankly, when it comes to him, uh, there was that one special where he was wearing a jacket and it doesn't work. So, okay, he's got to do it. But you don't have to, if you're a David Tell disciple like Sam Morell or Big J. Okerson, you don't need to dress like him as well. You know, just the, the, the comedy works. Uh, so Ben Stelling is a, a Sarah Silverman disciple. You know, it's not necessary to dress like Sarah Silverman, who is maybe the worst dressed person I have ever seen. So I asked her why the overall, she goes, I don't know, They made me feel comfortable, I don't know, maybe it's a, a statement just being like, I don't have to dress up, you know, because Rachel Feinstein always dresses up nice, um, and again, I don't think I'm being sexist, because I'm saying, I would choose, I would be very careful what I uh, was in a special with, you know, clothing wise, uh, so she, you know, but I, you know, I had to bring it up, you know, you want to be, You want to be, you want to say it. You want to say what's on your mind. You know, you still want to be an extension, I guess, of the podcast and and ask the hard hitting questions. And that's not that very hard hitting, but she could say, well, you would never ask a guy that I'm like, oh, you are way off on that. And that's the whole key. If she had said, which she didn't, of course, because she's delightful. If she had said, would you ask a man that? I was like, oh, yes, I would. And believe me, I put a lot of thought into this. So Don't worry. So that's why for me, it wasn't a sexist question at all. It's just a fashion question, uh there was this girl I also said it about this girl named Karen Bergreen. I don't you've probably never heard of her. She's on television wearing the worst it's and the the show is called and we've definitely i've talked about this in the podcast. it's called uh i don't know some uh, girls in stilettos i you know whatever it's a girl comedy show, which of course is the worst kind of show to call it. a girl show show, and she just wears these brown drab clothing as if she was a school teacher that just got out of work. Or somebody's mom. I mean, it was horrible, and all the other girls dress up. I can't remember something in stilettos, and I'm just like, what? What the hell? Kind of statement is this? I it. This is the kind of stuff. It just drives me crazy. I guess again because my mother has drilled it in my head. You don't go on television looking like a David Tell, if you can help it. Makes a lot of sense to me, but. Um, Anyway, so we had Greg Fitzsimmons, Ben Stelling, Mike Fecchione, who was just in the uh, King of Staten Island. Listen, it was an amazing show. Things got mixed up because uh, somebody didn't tell anybody we're starting at 8, so they thought we are starting at 8.30, so it started a little late. And Greg had to go because he was tweeting for the Biden campaign that night during the debates. And that's why I changed it to 8 for the debate, and I still ended up getting screwed. It's nobody's fault, really. It's just a lack of communication because they haven't... I think they're stopping the Comedy Cellar Nightly show, but they're going to let me continue at least my Tuesday show for now. In fact, I think they want to you know, do another... We were talking about doing another show, like maybe a movie show or something. I could have another night. I could probably do every night if I wanted to. I was just talking to the producer, Mike, and we had a really nice talk and whatever. Anyway, the point is this week, tonight, on the show, the company's other nightly, the football show that I do, I have Jessica Curson, who's fantastic, obviously, Uh Phil Hanley, and Nick Griffin, who's my first repeat guest, but I love Nick, and I want to repeat people. But, I mean, that's amazing. Now, listen to who I have in two weeks, uh, which would be October 13th. On Tuesday, October 13th, at 8 p.m., my guests will be Frank Santopadre from Gilbert Godfrey's podcast, who is amazing in any source. Rick Newman, the legendary owner and proprietor and creator of Catch a Rising Star, the club from the 70s that started everyone that Chris Rock was even talking about on Howard Stern last week. Well, we met at Catch a Rising Star, Rick Newman. And the amazing legendary two legends Alan Zweibel the writer and producer of Saturday Night Live the first five fucking years you know where it started Alan Zweibel who went on to work with Gary Shanling and so many others the Emmy winner and they are all coming on my ridiculous football show and making football picks and of course we'll talk about comedy I am so pleased with the way this is going and the guests that I'm getting I, I I I can't handle it you know it's like unbelievable and then you say well why can't you get these people for your podcast well I probably could but this seems easy it's under the comedy seller name so it is an extension of the podcast in two weeks uh, the plan right now is I will have two members of Family Guy the complete executive producer and overall just He's the guy now because Seth MacFarlane doesn't care anymore. Alex Sulkin, who also the writer of TED. Uh, Chris Regan, who is also the producer of Family Guy. And Mike Rice, who produces the Latino version of One Day at a Time. So look, I'm getting all these very interesting, eclectic groups to be on this stupid <laughs> show where we make football picks. And it's so ridiculous. It's almost like a joke. Where you you know getting uh this week my guests will be President Trump and and and, and um the candidate for president also uh governor uh, what is it, Senator, Senator Biden? I what is he say what's the matter with me? And Joe Biden and um you know <laughs> and and Dan Natterman and we're all gonna make football picks. I mean, this is what I figure out I'm, I'm getting these guests. We talk for a little bit, I show them pictures of my week. And then we make football picks. So I can see getting Donald Trump and Biden to on this show, but we're just making football picks. And quite frankly, wouldn't that be the greatest show you've ever seen if these two guys could agree? You know, Donald, I gotta go with you. I think Cleveland has a chance here. I mean, who would be better than? Because if I could put if I could put something like that together and got these guys, the one thing they can agree on is football. Even if you know, but they're choosing different teams. Then I got to start working, uh, you know, with Donald on the peace in the Middle East. <laughs> but whatever brings people together and having a good time during COVID, I think this is it. Again, if you don't like sports, I really just breeze through it, and we have a good time. And you know, I always invite people on that know nothing about football. I know Alan Zweibel does, so that'll be fun. Frank and Rick don't care, and again, I don't care. Jessica Curson doesn't know. Phil Hanley doesn't know, but Nick does. So I usually have one person on that knows and two people that just don't care because I don't care. It's just fun to make picks. And I try and breeze through that section, even though the audience kind of wants me to, you know, the football people want me to spend a little more time. But if you want me to spend a a little more time, we have my Sunday 10 a.m. show on YouTube in which I spend complete time, um, you know, with just for an hour talking just football, no gags, no nothing. But you can see me live. Sundays at ten a.m. If you like me, (laughs) and you like my game, how are you, everybody? And you like what I wear? uh, I'll buy YouTube special. And you like my background? I think you're gonna like the Sunday show at ten a.m. But mostly, we have about four viewers for that. I really couldn't care less. I really want you to watch. Start watching the YouTube nightly show at eight o'clock on Tuesdays because um, it really is great. And again, I would have, I've had, and would have all these people, all these guests on my show anyway, but here's a a way I can conveniently um, do it. So, you know, I was planning on doing a show every month on YouTube as well, but I don't know whether it's necessary anymore because I'm pretty much doing the podcast with all these visuals and stuff on Tuesday nights. So, uh, you know, I'm busy. And it's funny because I'm busy with something that's not going to make me any money. But I don't care. I just enjoy doing it. I mean, really enjoy doing it. And I will tell you now that this Tuesday was no exception. But after the show, I went down to the comedy cellar because it was Rachel Feinstein's birthday. Now I was already three hours late. And I said, are you sure you still want me to come? It's 9.30. I got, took the little motorcycle down there. I got there around 10 o'clock. Everybody was pissed drunk and most of the people were gone. And the debates were going on that night, if you remember. And um, I guess everybody knows that I am not a well, they know I am not with their political views and I'm a registered Republican and it seems to really irk a lot of people. As you know, I mean, every friend I have on the podcast, I got to be careful, you know, like, I mean, I I, I know that that's why I knew I had to change the debate. I got two people from L.A. on, you know, they're going to watch they're involved and, you know, they're they want the, the, the president gone. Which a lot of people do, but then a lot of people don't. So, anyway, the point is this. On uh, Monday, I was at my sister's house for a breakfast of Yom Kippur. I haven't broken fast with anybody uh, 20 years, maybe more. I've just been doing it by myself at home, but since we're not working anymore and it's all this, so I'm like, you know what? I could just drive over to Beth's. That'll be cool. And uh, it was all right. You know, we had to. Uh, Pretty good food it wasn't the greatest place, but it was still you know it was fun I guess and she invited this uh the next door neighbors over who I like very much uh so it was fine normally I don't like to sit with anybody else except immediately immediate family with breakfast because you you just want to shovel it in and I did fast so okay, did we break it at five o'clock yes, but you know when we were with my mother all those years we broke it at six that's still like three hours earlier you know if you're a real Hebrew. And if you're real practicing, you wait till pretty much nine o'clock at night till it's pitch black, and then you eat. But you know, screw that. Uh, we ate at five o'clock, and uh, and and so oh, and here's the other thing too. So then, so all right, so then Matt, you know, start he a big Trump supporter, and my sister's become that too. And he is just you know he had a beer, and he's just spouting, 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 and I'm not not interested to get in. I I wouldn't get into it anyway. And he's just talking and talking about Trump. and You can just hear his voice. He's very loud. And me and Billy go into the other room. And we just watched the newest Family Guy episode because so I thought that would be because he worships Family Guy, too. And we're watching it. And it's one with a. it starts with a magic eight ball. And I say to Billy, hey, I'm going to buy you something. It's coming on Wednesday. And I just I just found out yesterday like they had no idea who sent it. I got him a magic eight ball and he didn't remember it all. I, I could have killed him. I kept saying, I'm going to buy you something. It's coming on Wednesday. It's coming on Wednesday. He's like, I don't know who bought this. I'm like, what an idiot. It's like so embarrassing. You want to buy something nice. So that's why there's no reason to buy Dory or Billy anything because they just don't care. The only person to give anything to is clearly Liza. I just Venmo her money and she really appreciates that even if she won't write me back and say that she got it. God, I hate those kids. But whatever the case may be, um, so I, uh, when, so I got in the car and I called Rachel. I'm like, Oh, Matt was, you know, spouting this, uh, Donald Trump stuff. And I was getting, uh, not getting upset. I was just like, I can't listen to it. I can't listen to the banter. Uh, you know, you, you know, now I know what it's like when people are listening to me, just like, Oh, it's this white noise in the background. He just doesn't shut up. So, uh, you know, I was, so I said to her, cause I know, you know, she doesn't, she's a Biden person or whatever. And I just told her and we had this talk, you know, and it's like, oh, it was, I had to get out of there. I can't take the pol- political talk like that. Um, so then on Tuesday, when I went down to the cellar, uh, we're watching the debates and I'm looking at the tweets from my friends. And obviously, it's all Trump's got to go. He's horrible. Look what he's doing. This is an outrage. You know, all the, the comics that I follow, you know, certainly Gaffigan now is involved. Obviously, Sarah, you know, whatever. So I say, I really want to find somebody who's tweeting for the other side because that's interesting. Let's see how they're spinning it. Uh, Trump is amazing. Look what he's doing. Biden looks like, you know, something like that. And I couldn't think, I was looking for Tom Shalou, but I don't think he was, uh, he wasn't tweeting. I didn't know who to follow or who to look for to see the other side. So all I said, I was outside and I said, I'm just looking for the other side. And all of a sudden this manager, Val, Comes and just starts berating me that I was even looking for that. And they were all drunk. And then Rachel's berating me. I'm like, I'm just looking. My God, I am looking to see what is happening. I just want to see another perspective. And so they start screaming at me again. Remember, this happened last year or uh, four years ago, sorry, last election. And people are just yelling at me. I'm like, what is the matter with you? And so I was getting so angry, I said, well, now I'm going to bait them because now they're getting in my face. Fuck them. And I say, well, I'm sorry, I'm still undecided, so I'm trying to make a decision. Now, I'm not undecided. I'm absolutely voting for Biden, but, you know, fuck them. They they can't bully me and tell me we, we've been down this way four years ago. How did that end for you? How did the bullying end for you idiots? It ends with Trump winning the, the presidency, which I said, Three months building up to this election four years ago on this podcast where there is audio proof where I said he's going to win. He's going to win big because you idiots keep bullying people that are undecided. And we hate you so much for telling us what we have to do, our so-called friends, that I'm going to vote for Trump just for spite. You can go fuck yourselves. I can vote for whoever the fuck I want. I'm sorry if you don't want to be friends with me. It's secret anyway. And we don't tell people that we're thinking of voting for Trump because they're in our face just as bad as any of the people they're making fun of. So I said, I'm undecided. Then Rachel's so angry. She goes, he's not undecided. He told me yesterday he was voting for Biden. And I go like, no, I didn't. Because I was like, Rachel, that was a private conversation between you and me. And she was so angry. She's giving me this dirty look the whole time. And I'm looking at her husband because I know he you know i think he's doing the same thing i'm doing he's you know we're not trump haters but you know we're pretty much planning on voting for biden because it's a uh, it's time right so you know i I'm, I'm i'm just furious and i'm baiting them now because now i'm just angry i'm like if you guys are going to do this and start just yelling at me because i wanted to see what fox news was saying my god but they're drunk and i don't care So the next day, I'm picking Rachel up to go to the stress factory together. I'm opening for her in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And I'm on my best behavior because I've been told, and I I know she's right, that I'm very angry when we're driving together. But that's because I'm concentrating on the road when I don't know where I'm going. I'm nervous about traffic. I'm nervous about getting there, and I'm nervous about my performance. So I guess I'm not a fun companion on the way to the show, which I could totally understand if she never wants to work with me again for that reason, because that's a good reason not to go with anybody if I make her uptight. I get that. So I tried to change that around and be very happy. Meanwhile, I get there at 4.30. She comes out of the building at 5. I'm already angry, but whatever. I know we're going to make it on time. I plan to be there an hour early. I plan to go 30 miles. I planned three hours in advance to go 30 miles. You know, take it into... Uh, to drive, you know, remember I got to go backwards. I got to go to Brooklyn. Then I got to go to Jersey. I mean, it's a disaster, right? And when I'm looking at stuff and I'm looking at the, the GPS and it says, oh, now there's a big traffic jam. You're going to be 30 minutes later, or I'm concentrating on traffic and she's just staring at me because I won't answer her question. I'm like, what nobody has. And when you have passengers in the car, it's like, nobody has respect for the driver trying to concentrate on the road. Now I'm an outstanding driver and I'm an outstanding driver because I'm only half listening to people's conversations because I'm concentrating on the fucking road, which makes me an Epic excellent driver. Because when you're totally all in on a conversation and not concentrating on the road, that's when you get into a goddamn accident. Especially if you're driving through Brooklyn and Queens and Staten Island, the worst places to drive. This isn't like we're driving to Iowa where there's just open road on a sunny day. There's crazy people out there. I'm concentrated. They're staring at me like, are you paying attention? I'm like, I'm paying attention. There's the stuff going on. This is what people used to do before there was the GPS You know, I would listen to the the radio stations to see where I could get the helicopter reports. Like, don't take this road. I'm like, be quiet. I'm trying to get us home on a decent hour. And then because then then people complain like, oh, you should have checked and see that there was better traffic to go a different way. I'm like, shut the fuck up. You're an asshole. Anyway, we get in the car and she starts it. I'm trying to be in a better mood. And she starts in, you know, that was really fucked up last night. You can't talk about those things in front of my husband. I'm like, hey. You guys started in with me. I had no intention. I know not to talk about, you've told me I can't talk about anything in front of your husband because he can't handle anything. Well, I'm sorry that you, and I said, then don't bring him around anymore. And I love her husband. He's the best. He's a fireman. You know, they have their, you know, and I have the same views as the firemen do. Right. So I'm, and she starts yelling at me like, you, why did you say we had that talk? Why did you tell Val you were undecided? I'm like, and I started screaming. I'm like, excuse me? You guys were attacking me. You were attacking me for just looking to see a different point of view. So you're goddamn right. I'm like not going to fall for that. So I said I was undecided to bait her a little bit because you got to be kidding me. Then why did you deny that we had that talk? I'm like, because that was a private conversation. What is the matter with you? Why are you starting in on the opening of our drive like this? And then she just goes like somebody's mom like, Hey, I am trying to have a civil conversation with you and you are the one acting. I'm like, Oh my God. Now I know this is what you do to guys that enrage them so much. Uh, You know, because Rachel and I, (laughs) Rachel Feinstein at this point is probably my best friend in the whole world. At this time in my life, Rachel Feinstein is my best friend. So it's so funny. You know, over the years, I've heard every story about anybody she, you know, has uh, been in a relationship with. I've, I I know so much stuff. And I'm the guy she can come to when there's trouble. Always. I will always be her best friend. But, you know, all the stories she would be like, he got so angry. I'm like, now I get it. It's your voice. It's your attitude. You're acting like somebody's mom. And, and what did she do? She goes, Shh. oh, my God. We even talked about that last week. Somebody shushes you. Oh, it just makes you crazy. Anyway, we worked it all out and we calmed down. But why would you open with that when you already say I have a bad attitude when I'm driving you to a show? I'm doing my best. And she opens with that? That's on her. I didn't feel bad about the way I acted either. And I was under attack. I said, you guys were drunk as a skunk. How dare you even bring this up? You guys were doing drunk talk. I am not going to get in a political discussion, which is something I don't even know anything about, with a couple of drunk people. Usually I'm just going to agree. I'll just agree. They're like, well, don't you think that Trump is doing this and Biden should be there? And I'm like, yes, of course. I, normally, if they're not, even if they're drunk, I'll just go. But if you're going to attack me uh, because I said I'm undecided, which apparently is a big thing. I listen to Howard Stern all day. The, the, everybody, uh, they, uh, they, uh, the limo, Ronnie, the limo driver is undecided. And they attack him. And Howard just keeps going. How could you not be decided at this point? But I understand I still go back and forth. I'm positive I'm voting for Biden, but once in a while I go back and forth. I don't know. I, I, I guess, you know, I certainly have lots of friends that still believe in Trump and my, but you know, he needs to go. It's time. The experiment was excellent and uh, a lot of laughs and he did a couple of good things, but unfortunately the country is divided in such a way it needs to be fixed. And I think he'll divide it more, and I think that's the issue. But I, but if if I could get him on this podcast, one like after he's, I mean, how great would that be? Who wouldn't want him? Who wouldn't want him? Am I going to be mad at him forever? Like, uh, you know, other people, no. But what I'm saying, is, and you understand what I'm saying, whether whether you, whoever you like, I, mean, I don't know who listens to the show, but should you be attacked for just saying? I'm not sure who I'm going to vote to. I mean, this is exactly what happened last election. And when that happens, it turns out the candidate that uh, is always under attack from people who are undecided usually wins. So you better be careful. And I think people are nervous that that's going to happen anyway. But how does the him having COVID fit in? Interesting. Should be a very interesting month as the uh, elections are only... One month away. So there is that story. Which I was uh hoping to share with you. Anyway, after Raiso and I made up, we went to the club and had a lovely time. My sister came, my nephew, who now I hate. Um ugh, we don't know who this is from. We don't know ugh. who's gonna get him a magic eight ball? We were watching the show together. He must have been high as a kite or something. I don't know what happened. It's so frustrating, you know, you want to do something nice for somebody and it's Anyway, um, my sister came, you know, her her neighbors, it was great. My brother-in-law, you know, all is forgiven. Who cares uh, at that point? And, um, you know, a lot of her friends came. It was great. And the Stress Factory is really put together nice. They did it right. He spent $100,000 putting these tents up. So it's a really great outdoor experience. And he can continue to do it all the way for the winter months. I think it's heated in there. And it was great. And I got, so I did 25 minutes for the first time ever. Never done 25 minutes before. And uh, I think I did good. I mean, everybody, even my sister told my mother that I did good, you know, without me being there. (laughs) Um, But I think I did, you know, I was getting, I'm just, obviously, I'm getting stronger, you know, doing the Gaffigan shows uh, really helped. And, you know, I have more material that's more reflective on me, which of course I should have been doing for years. So I'm getting better as a stand-up comic, and uh, I feel very relaxed. My sisters like, you feel very relaxed ever since I've known you. you know, you're always you know, nervous up there, but you look really relaxed like you've been doing it 100 years. I'm like, well, I have been doing it 100 years. But yeah, I'm more relaxed because I bring my material up on stage with me. I bring a little envelope that I have written on it, and that makes me relaxed. Because for me, I could never remember the order. That was the issue remembering the order. So when I have it written down, I feel completely comfortable that I can look at this piece of paper, just glance at it, and then it makes me completely comfortable because I don't have to memorize the routine. Obviously, I know the routine. It's only little bullet points, and then I know what to say, but it really takes a lot of pressure off for some God knows reason. Now, Here's something, I don't know whether I told you this last week. I think somehow I skipped over it. You'll let me know, but I I swear to God, I don't think I told you this, and I told this on stage last week. Now, I know I told you about the woman that works in the mall, Uh, and we had a lot of fun with that because it was really funny that this one woman handles all the mall. and I told that whole story, told the whole story about the lost, Yeah, I did that on stage, and I, I think people really liked it. I think. I taped it, but, you know, I never like to listen back. Um, and then I told them, this is the part I forgot, that in this mall there is a brand new store, I swear to God, called the COVID-19 store. And when she told me, I'm like, you're kidding. And she goes, I am not kidding. So well, what do they do there? Where they give people COVID like chicken pox and you just get it over with? And there's like, no, they make designer masks. And I said, that's brilliant because that could go either way how dare you make money off covid or you could say oh my god why didn't i think of that this is somebody who's obviously got some forward thinking Eh, make a little money making some designer mess you know whatever but here's the best part i mean obviously the story is ridiculous but the best part is that she had been getting calls from people who've been in the covid19 store who were complaining that people in the COVID-19 store were not socially distancing properly. (laughs) They were complaining there wasn't enough social distancing at the COVID-19 store. If that's not the funniest thing you've ever heard in 2020, then I really don't know what is. I didn't even change, it's not even a joke. I just told what she said because it doesn't need anymore. It's the funniest thing I've ever heard. The people complaining? Who the fuck are these people? What are you doing in the COVID 19 store? It's hilarious. Uh, yeah, hi. Um, I just had a complaint. I was in the COVID 19 store yesterday and. They're really not practicing social distancing there. And I I mean when she got that call, she must have been like that is hilarious. And she's gotten multiple calls, which is even funnier. That they're really not practicing. So they don't have any of the the things that say stand here waiting for the cash register. <laughs> which is so funny. It's the one thing they forgot. They're like, let's do a COVID 19 store, but they forgot. Oh, right. Forgot about the practice. Oh, forgot about people wearing a mask when they're actually in the store. Damn it. Oh, I knew I forgot one thing. I was right on it. And anyway, it was a great show, really fun. And then afterwards we had a great ride home, and then she just yelled at her husband all the way home on the way home because he wouldn't drive home the babysitter. So it was classic that um, you know, her anger got redirected at him. Good. Good for me. Um the day before was her birthday, and we went to Soul Cycle. That's right. I said, all right, I'll go to SoulCycle Outdoors because it's your birthday. I will go. I'll pay for it. Meanwhile, it was free. I was almost going to tell her, hey, don't worry. I got it. you know. <laughs> but it, it turned out to be free for some reason. Anyway, they have SoulCycle Outdoors. And we went to this place in Brooklyn around the Brooklyn Bridge. I'm like, how's this going to work? And it was in this, like, courtyard, and it was had a tent over it. And they just said the bike's outside. It's actually, it's a better deal than SoulCycle Inside because there was a nice cool breeze. The bikes weren't all clustered together. This was the way social soul cycle should have been done forever. And those little hot rooms, all really crammed in together. I mean, SoulCycle will never be able to come back. But the outdoor Soul Cycle, super fun. It was just difficult to get that. I mean, I really, let me tell you, Tuesday morning, I woke up at 6:30, did my yoga, you know, I did uh uh, the Nutrisystem program, you know, I ate. Bre- I had uh, the little breakfast bar or whatever and coffee and then did 15 minutes of yoga. Then at seven o'clock or maybe eight o'clock, I took the, yeah, how did I do? Wait, wait. Oh, yeah, yeah. I took the bike. I took the city bike over the Queensborough Bridge, the regular city bike over the Queensboro Bridge where I was like so out of breath by the time I got to the top. I'm like, how am I going to do Cycle? I was gonna I thought I was gonna die. I couldn't catch my breath. And went to Queens, picked up the little motorcycle, and drove to Rachel and Pete's house, and then they drove and Pete drove us to our destination by the bridge. I mean, that's a lot to ask uh for somebody, but it was her birthday, so you know, big deal. We did the soul cycle class, it was super fun. What a nice, cool breeze it was, you know, once in a while, which was great. And uh we have pictures, which I will show on the Tuesday show. Tonight. And then, you know, we had some lunch. I had a salad, which really, you know, was not the Nutri System program, but, uh, well, I mean, it kind of is, but, you know, I, I still did the program, but I didn't, whatever. Because I was nervous about lunch, because normally we eat not as great. But now that I'm doing this, I've, I'm like, if I'm going to have a day like this, you know, where I do this major exercise, I got to stick to the program, at least today, because, you know, I've been cheating. So, and then I took the, then we, I tried to help her with her AT&T company. Her voicemail doesn't work. So I spent an hour on the phone talking to the AT&T person and they ended up hanging up on me. But that was my birthday gift to her, all that stuff. And then she took an Uber and it started to rain and I was stuck in Brooklyn. Remember, I haven't taken an Uber or a taxi or subway or a bus since February, March. So I took the city bike home. Over the Brooklyn Bridge, which I will never do again. I don't know what you guys know about the Brooklyn Bridge. If you're from out of town, obviously you know you can walk over it. But I didn't realize. I guess I've never biked over it before. I thought I did. But it's wooden and rickety. It was the worst bike ride ever. It was so frustrating. And if you have testicles, it's even worse. So that sucks. So next time, definitely either the Manhattan or the Williamsburg Bridge. I, I didn't know if you could bike over the Manhattan Bridge. I just don't know. I don't do it very often. But never again. The Brooklyn Bridge for cycling. I mean, maybe to walk over. But it's wooden. What the hell? That was weird. And then I took it all the way home. So that was a heavy exercise day. Um, Which is good, right? Uh, And then we had the show, which was so much fun. And then I went down to the cellar. It was a big day. Big day. Big day, and thank God uh, Rachel and her husband drove me back home because they stopped the motorcycles at midnight. Who knew? I mean, what, what they stop it from midnight to 5, and what's the purpose? That's when I need it. That's when I need that stupid bike so I can get home after hours. But, I mean, everything's been closing early, so it's been okay. Maybe when they start opening stuff up, they'll keep it open. Who knows? Anyway, let's continue. Oh, well, actually, that's it. I guess what I wanted to say was that, that last night, which was Friday, this taping on Saturday, is I went to, it was Memo's birthday a week ago, and I said, I'll take you out for dinner. And he goes, what about Friday? I'm like, fine, we'll go to the sushi place near his house in Queens again. And then he invites, well, I said, you can bring your daughter, and then he invites his wife, too. I mean, what what was he going to do? I'm like, I I can't pay for everybody. I know I'm going to feel obligated to. So he's like, oh, I don't expect you to pay for it. I'm like, ah, crap. Whatever. So, again, took the bike over the bridge and the motorcycle to the restaurant. This is last night. And the bike over the Queensboro Bridge, I mean, it's just terrifying. The lanes are so narrow, it's terrifying. But what are you going to do? So we got to the place, and I'm waiting there. And I can't wait now. You know, since Wednesday, you can eat inside, 25%. I said, yeah, I'd like a table inside because it was chilly. And his wife comes over like, "Oh, I don't want to eat inside," and I'm like, "Oh, here we go, here we." And I like his wife, but come on, man! So we had to eat on Queens Boulevard. I don't know if you ever uh, look up Queens Boulevard. They call it the Boulevard of Death. It's a horrible boulevard, and it's right underneath the elevated subway. This is the worst place to eat outside. It wasn't unpleasant the way they had it set up, but it's unpleasant. This car, one of what, what, this car was parking. It almost backed up right into our table, into her kid. This is awful. We're in the, we're on Queens Boulevard eating. This is just a, a total accident waiting to happen. I can't believe there haven't been more accidents. And the subway keeps going by. It was awful. But whatever. It was Memo's birthday. Tried to relax. Had a little sake. I guess it got a little loaded. Needed to. We had a nice time. And then I paid for everybody. I made them pay the tip. I'm like, listen, it's, uh, pay, just pay the tip $40. And then he was like, what? We don't have cash. And I'm like, oh my God, I'll do it. And then all of a sudden he had cash. I don't know what happened. I get he got so confused that I paid the bill. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, you didn't bring anything. What'd you bring? You know, how did you think there was going to end? You know me. I'm, you know I'm going to pay for you anyway. You know when your wife's coming, I'm going to pay. Ugh. Anyway. Um, so then I took the bike again to the Queensboro bridge and then you know tried to get a, a an electric bike, so it wouldn't be that hard to go over because going from Queens to Manhattan is very difficult over the bridge, whereas the other way it's not that it's not that bad going to queens it's 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 a little less you know you're up the hill and then it's like over, and then it's like a a big decline. But the incline going from Queens to Manhattan is like a mile. Um, but then I was a little loaded, and I was so angry at the other cyclists coming at me and being so close. I was like trying to hit them because I was like drunk. I'm like fuck these guys, and I was like coming really close to them, like especially the ones on the on the mopeds. And I'm like these people are assholes. And again, I was I think I was trying to trying to hit one of them i mean what's the matter with me you know who's the asshole now but they were like in my lane which ain't cool and they you know they don't know how to drive so it they're very disrespectful so i was teaching them a lesson but who's that gonna teach me i don't wear a helmet on that bike who's that gonna teach a lesson? i'm gonna fall over the bridge into the water i mean that's hilarious if that would happen but yeah then i knew i was drunk i'm like what am i doing but you know, I felt like a bully, but that's what I felt like doing. Anyway, I was home in, I think, 25 minutes, 25 minutes. It took me to get, I mean, how, how, that's great, right? That's a, that's how long it would have taken me in an Uber. It took me 25 minutes and I took two modes of transportation, the bike. I can go right in front of my, as long as it's the electric bike, that's, wow. Is that the key? That electric bike is just like a motorcycle. It's fantastic. Um, so that was that story. It's a, not really a classic story, but it's a story nonetheless. Um, okay, what else we got going on? We're almost... Uh, I, I will tell you a couple of... Uh, yeah, let me tell you this. Just read in the paper today. You're not going to believe this. Somebody punched Rick Moranis on the street Uh, fr- Friday, yesterday. Somebody punched rick moranis at a thursday at 7 30 in the morning on west 70th street in the upper west side i didn't even know he lived in town but somebody punched him a random guy just got punched because that upper west side is becoming a holy nightmare and this is all de blasio's fault somebody punched rick moranis the amazing rick moranis
0: how you doing? Why don't you have some of the brie? It's at room temperature. You think it's too warm in here for the brie? Lewis, I'm going home. I don't leave yet. So listen, maybe if we start dancing, other people will join in. Okay. Oh, don't move. I just got to get the door. Ted, Annette! Hey. Oh, I'm glad you could come. How you doing? Give me your coats. Right. Everybody, this is Ted and Annette Fleming. how are you? It has a small carpet cleaning business in receivership, and that's drawing a salary from a deferred bonus from two years ago. They got 15000 left on the house at 8%. So they're okay. So, does anybody want to play Parcheesi?
1: Okay, who brought the dog? I mean, who's going to punch Lewis Tully in the face? I mean, come on, man. They haven't caught the guy yet, but we all want him captured what an asshole. I mean, obviously he didn't know it was Rick Moranis, but still randomly walking seven 30 in the morning on a Thursday. Do you know how many times I've been there at seven 30 in the morning, just walking around with my headphones on, not paying attention. And let me tell you something, folks, I have downloaded, downloaded this new citizens app. I don't know if you've heard about it. This was the worst choice I've ever made. It's a free app But now I find out what the hell is going on in my neighborhood, and it is terrifying. No wonder nobody wants to live here. Oh, my God. Only a block away, last week, there was a carjacking right near my building. I was like, what? Then somebody got robbed at Knife Point yesterday. I'm like, why do I still have this app? I must be out of my mind keeping this app. It's driving me crazy. I'm afraid to leave the house now. Somebody's punching Rick Moranis. somebody's carjacking that totally could have been me. What is happening? If you don't keep your eyes peeled, you know how many times for Christ's sakes I walk home in the middle of the night with my headphones on? Is there, I mean, I know everybody's told me not to, but it is always going to be that one time that you're not paying attention. The three times I've told you, the three times I've got robbed. I haven't, you know, haven't been paying attention. You lose your cool. It's just like with Rachel you know, yelling at me or screaming when I'm trying to concentrate on the road. I mean, you know, or, or, or especially when you're walking with a girl who's just talking and talking and you're trying to concentrate on your surroundings. Should I move us to the other side of the street? Should I, you know, should I be worried about this? And they're not paying attention. And it's not just girls, it's guys too, when they're all just in their own other world. When I'm here, I'm usually paying attention and expecting the worst. But now I'm really expecting the worst. Punching Rick Moranis let alone this citizens app. I mean, this is insane. I don't know what the hell is going on, but it's not good. This is another reason to move out of the goddamn city, but apparently this could happen anywhere if this keeps going. Nowhere's going to be safe. I don't want to alarm everybody. The only thing we can hope for is that the Yankees lose in the playoffs. Listen, I'm sorry. I know you guys love the Yankees, but oh, man, do I want to see the Rays beat them. And if not the Rays, then anyone else... Uh, evil Houston, or, of course, the Marlins would be hilarious, just as long as the Yankees don't win the World Series, because I'm already dealing with the L.A. Uh, Lakers possibly winning the Saying, uh, Oh, oh, by the way, how many people are so thrilled that the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup? Oh, you didn't know? That's because no one knows. I pointed out on my show yesterday, hey, guess who won the Stanley Cup? Nobody knew. Tampa Bay won their second Stanley Cup. <laughs> You know, what's weird is that Tampa Bay, the last time they won, and I'm just off the top of my head, there was a strike after. So Tampa Bay technically was Stanley Cup champions for two years. But anyway, they won. Um, and you know what's even weirder? I was thinking, how weird is this? What if Tampa Bay Rays win the World Series? That means Tampa Bay becomes title town. What if the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl? Then what, ha- what 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 is Tampa Bay the place to be? If the Rays win the World Series, that's going to be crazy. You just don't hear that about a town like Tampa Bay. You know, you can see it in in Boston or New York obviously or even Los Angeles, but <laughs> they never in my life picture that Tampa Bay would be considered title town. But it could happen. And if Miami wins, the Marlins which is so funny in it, I mean, how, what pathetic the Mets are, Um, that Miami could win it all again, which would be their third World Series, which isn't even uh, acceptable, Uh, then Florida would be title time. It all works. I don't know. But there's no reason Tom Brady and the Buccaneers can't actually win the Super Bowl which would be amazing. But, um, yeah, I watched the uh, Yankee game with Cleveland, and I'm just like, "Ugh, you people suck, Cleveland. You just wanted them to win one game. I don't know. Why do I hate the Yankees? I, because I listen to the sports stations all the time, and all these fans are like, we, after a little, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh, please. Oh, my God. The Jets? This is the Oh. War- at least I won some money this week because I bet against them. I'm like, screw them. They stink. Sam Darnold stinks. The coach stinks. They're definitely not winning a game the rest of the year. Uh, unless I think it's Sam darnold's that put in Flacco and they should have kept him in Joe Flacco's a proven MVP Super Bowl winning guy I mean I don't know what's the matter with him but I say leave him in at least I say that gives him more of a fighting chance than anything else but that organization just stinks let's not talk anymore. sports it's driving me crazy um last Saturday I had a just like today. I just had a free day and I hadn't had a free Saturday in like two months. Besides between opening for Jim and the Jewish holidays and some birthday parties, I hadn't had a free Saturday and I didn't know what to do with myself last Saturday. I find myself at five o'clock on channel 11. They have these old, you know, uh, 1970s shows. So they have a, the lineup is a Barney Miller, the Jeffersons on the family and something else. Right. And they just. Air them on the local Channel 11. And I was watching. Uh, they used to do that on a rain delay. And it was a Barney Miller. I looked it up from 1975. It was from the first season. It's like episode four. And they're on a stakeout. And uh, you know, it's one of those annoying things where everybody knows they're on. I mean, it's kind of funny in writing. Everybody knows they're on a stakeout. So all the neighbors keep coming in. And saying like, "Oh, I was going to show the apartment or whatever," and but you know, you also get annoyed that people aren't respecting the cops a little bit. But um, it was, but the list of guest stars was unbelievable. I'm just watching it, and Lou Jacoby is uh, a neighbor. He's bringing uh, no, he works at the bagel shop downstairs. He goes, "I bought everybody a salmon platter. I thought you guys need to eat, so I got you some Nova Scotia Lunks, some herring. You know, Lou Jacoby."
0: Sorry, we're late. Please. Gabriel. You started without me? You cut the turkey without me? Come on, we leave.
1: They start without us, we go. Every year you are late, Gabriel. We were hungry, the kids wanted to eat, we were ready, we couldn't wait.
0: You're all flesh and blood, and you couldn't wait? You caught the turkey? That's it! That's the last time we come for Thanksgiving!
1: Gabriel, come here for God's Gabriel Gabriel!
0: Gabriel!
1: Come Oh, that's from the movie Avalon, Lugoby. And of course in Arthur when he's just like, Are you the one the the one who drinks with all the how does it feel having all that money? It feels great. It's a stupid question. What's the other one? Oh, from my favorite year. What? I took the elevator down from five. Miss, oh, and of course, uh, the that, gene that, that I always use. Um, Mr. Swan, now that we've broken bread together, we've had a little wine, I feel as if I know you. And I feel as if I know you, Morty. Well, then you won't mind if I ask you a personal question, Uncle Morty. What? What am I? Aminska I was born yesterday? I know my way around. Morty, ask your question. That fraternity rap a few years did you stupor one morning? (laughs) Yeah, know the entire dialogue. Sweet magic. Um, Yeah, so Lou Kobe's in it. And then Brett Summers shows up from... I didn't even know she did anything else besides Odd Couple and Match Game. And she shows up at the person showing the apartment... And then Vic Tabak shows back. It's before Alice, I mean, shows up. I mean, it, it was unbelievable. I'm like, what, what, what? They put this on just for me? I guess they knew I was home today. I'd never seen that episode in my life. And it was uh, it was great. Like, Fish was there. They were on a stakeout. And they had guns and everything. And Bernice showed up. And she was mad at Fish for being on a stakeout. I don't know. It was, it was also annoying. And then they show uh, Hal Linden in a towel, uh, just like Dave Jessica in Crashing. But he looked much better. He was in the towel. He finally took a shower. He was in the towel. And then he got the call that uh, they had to go on the, the stake. He had to grab a gun with the towel. It was actually kind of manly. But. And then the Jeffersons was on. And they were showing all these first season ones. And it was the one with was it Mr. Mister Bentley. Was he wearing his underwear or the towel also? No. Whereas in the underwear, which they always show in the opening credits for the entire run, where Mr. Bentley comes to the door and he's in his underwear. And then, you know, Louise is just like, what? I mean, I couldn't believe I was watching that original. Like, I don't think I ever saw the original one that they show in the opening credits all those years, you know. Yeah, he's wearing his underwear. Legendary. Also, I saw um, I saw a couple of movies uh, one I can recommend, one I don't recommend. On Netflix, there is a documentary somebody told me about. It was terrific. Uh, I think it's just called De Palma, and it's about Brian De Palma, and they just go through his movies chronologically, which, as you know, I love. And it's basically just him sitting there, and they show clips, and that's all it is, and yet I was completely riveted. I like, you know, I'm fascinated with his a lot of his movies, and the best part about it, again, is the ones you forget that he did the successes he had. We know he did Carrie. And uh, I know he did Dress to Kill, right? So I know all the other ones he did, but I forgot. So that's why it's great when he has all these commercials. Oh, and Scarface, of course, you know, but sometimes I forget. And it was interesting to say, he's like, you know, he was in this group. So he said when he was casting Carrie, you know, him, George Lucas, Spielberg, Scorsese, and I'm missing one other person, we're all friends at the same time. So him and George Lucas were casting. They said, let's just cast our two movies at the same time. You know, Star Wars and Carrie. Let's just cast at the same time. It'll be easier. It'll save a lot of time. So they show William Cato auditioning for Star Wars. And um, and who was supposed to get Carrie? Um, And Amy uh, it was Amy Irving auditioning for Star Wars, who could have totally been Princess Leia and probably would have been great. So, you know, it's kind of funny because you, you win and you... You win and you don't win because nobody knows who Amy Irving or William Cat is, but everybody knows, you know, the, the people from Star Wars. Obviously, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill and everybody, right? So it's kind of funny because Carrie was completely successful. I mean, a major success. Um, and obviously, we know what. But Star Wars was just this other epic legend. So it's like there, there was really no way to lose. If I think if you went to that audition. Uh, but, you know, and the only reason, I mean, if Mark Hamill was in Carrie, we never would have heard from him again. He's not a great actor, but because he was in Star Wars, we all know who Mark Hamill is. But, uh, yeah, that was totally interesting, let alone he said that Spielberg was, you know, they have pictures of him being on the set of Scarface when he was asking him questions. He said, what do you think I should do? I love that kind of shit, obviously, and I think you guys do, too. So I think it was made about five years ago. Uh, I didn't realize how much... Uh, De Palma worked with De Niro very early on before he actually became successful in like student films. So it was cool when he worked with him again in The Untouchables. It was uh, I like that you know I love that kind of stuff. So I really enjoyed uh, De Palma. Then I watched because I had been waiting for this to come out. It's called All Right. Now this is just gay. I'm just I'm just gonna say it. Uh, I watched this movie called Last Christmas. I'd been dying to see it. The super hot guy from crazy rich Asians is the lead and Amelia Clark. I believe uh, she's from game of Thrones. I've never seen that. So she was awful, but, but whatever. And I'm like, it's going to be a, you know, a romantic Christmas comedy and it's based on the George Michael song last Christmas. And it's all of George Michael stuff. And then I found out Emma Thompson wrote it and she's in it. I'm like, Oh, come on. Um, so, you know, I'm rooting for it and I'm hoping it's going to be good, but and it got horrible reviews and it didn't do well. I mean, how do you just diss George Michael like that in many ways? But um yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, yeah, well, you you know, you'll let me know what you think. It's a, it's not it's not what I was looking for. It there's a really good reason it wasn't successful, especially you have this guy I think his name is Henry Golding or something, you know, from Crazy Rich Asians. He's good looking. He's cool. He's coming off Crazy Rich Asian, and you still can't make a romantic comedy with him work, you know, because, because there's a flaw, a major, you know, twist flaw in it that, you know, that's not what you're looking for in a Christmas movie, unfortunately. Maybe if it was a Hallmark movie on TV, it would work better. But, you know, for me, if I'm watching a gay Christmas movie, I need a very, you know, a happy standard ending where everybody gets married at the end. That's what I like. And if that doesn't happen, and it was a happy ending and everything, of course, but it's just weird and different and a very strange movie. And then, you know, it's one thing on the flip side we are like, well, I've never seen anything like it before. It's kind of interesting, but it doesn't work. I'll probably watch it another 50 times if it's on cable. I'll probably want to, I'll be like, all right, I'll just check it out again. But it's, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, the last thing I wanted to play for you today. So I actually found this clip that I was talking about last week when I was talking about, when we were talking about the mall, we were talking about that lady. And I remember telling you that Bob Newhart, when he hosted Saturday Night Live, was in this sketch that I had only seen once in 1980, where he was working at a store that sold everything. And I found the clip and I just taped it off my phone. And the weird part was, is that Alan Zweibel is actually in the sketch, which is weird because now he's going to be my guest next week or in two weeks. No, next week. Um, And so I uh, took a couple of photos that we'll show on the show, which is interesting. And the sketch isn't very good. The whole show wasn't very good. It's very long and, you know, it's, you know, extended, you know, we're, you know, that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, the the part that I was telling you about where they walk. Well, let's just play a little bit.
0: Hello, Dave's Variety Store. Oh, hi, Kathy. No, things are kind of slow today. As a matter of fact, your mom and I are thinking of closing up soon. I, I will. Good, goodbye, sweetheart. I uh, put those boxes out in the back, honey. Oh, good. We can use the room. Mm-hmm. Hi. Hi, Dave. Hi, Betty. Hey, hi, Pete. Hi, Ruth. But uh, how are you two today? Terrific. Yeah, everything's just fine, Dave. Say, Dave, would you have any of those glass prisms? You know, the thing you... Hold up the sunlight and it breaks the light into rainbows? Yeah, I, I think we do. Yeah, how many do you want, Pete? Oh, two would be great, Betty. Oh, great. There you go. Great, what do I owe you for these? Uh let's say five dollars. That's all I got. <laughs> great. Thanks, Dave.
1: Maybe we'll get together. This weekend. Oh, I'll give you a call. Okay, yeah. great.
0: There you go. Good. Thanks again. <laughs> <Bye. laughs> Honey, why, uh, why don't we go to a restaurant tonight? Oh, not tonight, Dave. Dear, I mean, I just have that half a roast in the refrigerator. Hi. Hi. What, what can I do for you? Well, I've been running all over town trying to find a copy of Oh My Papa by Eddie Fisher. Any chance you people have it? Sure, sure, we got it. Uh, honey, you know where Oh My Papa is, don't you? Oh, I'll get it. I've been having a hard time finding that record Oh, you wouldn't believe it I mean,
1: not one store has had it in stock for over 20 years The darn thing's been out of print since
0: 1956 There
1: you go You really do
0: have it That's amazing How much is it? Uh, $4 Sounds good to me
1: my wife here's about this.
0: There you go
1: Thank you Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, uh, Dave did I tell you that Mrs. Parker called? Speak of the devil. <laughs> Hi, Mrs. Parker. Hey. We are just talking about you. Oh, is it ready? As ready as it'll ever be. There <laughs> <laughs> you go, a pink balloon filled with pretzels. It was pretzels. Oh, yes, yes, it's wonderful. I don't know what I would do without you two. Oh, you're sweet, Mrs. Parker. You uh, you want me to put this on your account, of course? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll see you again soon, which will be the next time Ray lets me have the car. <laughs> She's something, isn't she? Real Lulu. Now it's pink balloons. <laughs> Honey, uh, do, do we have to have that roast tonight? <clears throat> Uh, yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, uh, I was uh, curious. Do you have a, a machine to wash dirty poker chips? <laughs> yes, we do, but it uh, shuts down at 5 o'clock and it's almost 6 now. Uh, okay. Unless you're interested in buying the machine. No, 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 no. I, I can come back tomorrow. Uh, <clears throat> what I was really interested in uh, was, do you have a, a large medieval crossbow made out of white chocolate? I, I believe so. Uh, <laughs>
1: So that was the one I was talking about. I got it wrong. I thought it was a bow and arrow set made out of white chocolate. Remember, I remember that from 1980, but it was a crossbow made out of white chocolate, and they had it. I just, I mean, I remember that line for, what is it, 40 years? Oh, Betty,
0: uh, give me that uh, chocolate crossbow, the, the white chocolate. Oh, right. It's, uh, it's wrapped in foil. Uh-huh. I, I hope you don't mind. Oh, no, are you kidding? So oh, what, what do I owe you for this? That'll be uh, $19 and 57 cents. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. okay. Uh, it's not worth paying the rest. It, it, it's just I was waiting for that. That's the one I was waiting for. And what I can't figure out is why they keep talking about the roast in the oven. So I think I might actually ask Alan Zweibel. He comes in later and says, um, please, I, I know you're closing up. I need, do you have a propeller beanie? And they're like, yes, here it is. I mean, just the funniest store. And they had some really good ones on Machine that washes poker chips. And the uh, Oh My Papa is probably the best one. But the white chocolate crossbow set uh you know and make sure you get the white chocolate one i always i guess as a kid i just thought that was the funniest line i just remember that particular line because for me uh, the oh my papa i didn't really understand is too young i guess he said has been out of print since 1956 i wouldn't i didn't know who eddie fisher was but that's when i got the gag where i'm like okay the store has everything because if they have a white chocolate crossbow set then that means I get the joke now. I guess. I don't know. I love it. Who doesn't love Bob Newhart? But you can see it's just so slow. Then um, I think Tom Davis was the one with the poker chips. And you can tell I think he's super high. And uh, uh, the the black guy, uh, uh, Garrett Morris, comes in and kind of ruins it because he can't really say his lines properly. And he orders a bunch of stuff like half a TV set and a bunch of other things. Oh, and um, actually... uh, they, the, uh, uh, what is it? I, oh, wait, let's, let's, let, I'll skip over to this one part. I want uh, a half a television, <laughs> Isaac Stern's nephew, a square basket. Isaac Stern's nephew, that's what it is. It comes back. I think it's Paul Schaefer in disguise because in that episode he also plays Marvin Hamlish. So uh, he was like a regular player during that year, Paul Schaefer, which makes sense that him and Harry Shear are still very close. <laughs> It's a boy, Mrs. Walker, it's a boy. Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, hey, listen, what a great time we had today. I hope you had a good time. I mean, maybe we got a little tiny. I got angry. Uh, we, we played some clips. I mean, we really uh, kind of did it all and talked about the, the future maybe in, uh, in a way. And I just really do hope. I know I was trying to plug the uh, there's no reason I'm trying to plug, but I'm trying to, you know, plug the um, the YouTube show. Uh, On Tuesdays, because, again, I'm I'm sorry I keep talking about it, but it really is a a wonderful extension of the Nightfly podcast that you love and and cherish, I hope. So, yeah, uh, this week, uh, tonight, Jessica Kurson, Phil Hanley, and Nick Griffin next week, Alan Zweibel, Frank Sattopatry, and legendary, this guy Rick Newman, he used to manage Pat Benatar, for Christ's sakes. I mean, this is the guy. So that should be different and interesting. Then we'll have comics again and then we'll have the guys from the Family Guy. I mean, we got a lot planned and then maybe another show in between. Who knows? Don't you love doing YouTube stuff? We could do a video. We could actually I could actually be God damn it, I can't remember that Rick Moratus and the uh, Jerry Todd. I could actually be these are called supers because uh, you know, because I pretty much work all the stuff myself. I show all the clips, I show all the videos, there's just a producer in the background who tells me what's going on in the chat room. And on Sunday, I work everything myself. Even though I own chats, which nobody's chatted yet, so it doesn't really matter. But, folks, I mean, come on. How are you doing? Let me know. You can write me at davedrescoutfans at gmail.com, or you can uh, hit me up on Instagram and let me know how you're doing this crazy fall October, which is, like, super nuts. But I, uh, I'm i really enjoying football and uh I'm enjoying fall and just not working and being retired. Again, I don't know how much longer I can hold out, but I'm going to keep trying because it's super fun. I mean, again, Dave Juskow prospering in COVID. I mean, obviously, the job for me would to the move would obviously to be getting a job at the COVID-19 store. I mean, hello. The most obvious thing on the planet is for Dave Juskow, somebody prospering in COVID-19 to get a job. At the COVID nineteen store, gee, I really think I actually have to do that. <laughs> it's like I pause because I'm like actually thinking. I'm like Jesus Christ, there'll be nothing funnier than that, or at least if I can get it filmed, you know, make a little video of working at the COVID nineteen store, it would be it would be exactly like that Saturday Live sketch. Like, do you have um a, a do you have a white chocolate bow and arrow mask or something? <laughs> do you have a mask depicting the uh, Chester? I guess I'm, 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 the comedy's not coming to me, but. People could come in asking for the stupidest masks of all time. Do you have a mask depicting the 1908 Olympics? uh, I I don't know. But I I mean, there it is. The sketch writes itself. I mean, but who the hell wants to go to a mall? I mean, that just seems like a breeding ground for germs. But I guess we'll find out now that the president has it. I guess everything will change and we'll see what happens in the future. Does that affect the race? Does it not affect the race? But remember, don't bully anyone on how they're voting. You have to leave that up. It's a secret ballot. Remember, a secret ballot. You can tell people if you want, but you can't get angry at people for voting the way they do. That's the way the world works. Thank God we live in America. I'll see you next time on the podcast, everybody. This is the Nightfly. I'm Dave Justcal. Good night, everybody.
0: You, I get the story. Listening to you, I get the music, gazing at you, I get. See